The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code RTRS. Body Bio, better health through science. Get 20% Elite, 20% off Elite or Calm, which we'll tell you about, and everything else with promo code RTRS20 at bodybio.com. Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process, processrealtor.com. And Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter. Get your Ricky Stateside playoff pack at statesidevodka.com. On the show today, the Sixers are, quote, going after each other at practice in a good way. The playoff opponent will not be the Boston Celtics. What would be your last meal if you were on death row and one of the worst people in the world, Andrew Sharp? of the poorly, poorly named Greatest of All Talk podcast, joins us as the Sixers may face his Washington Wizards in the playoffs. Maybe we'll relitigate the Wizards trying to ban Bust the Process from their home stadium <laughs> Maybe several years ago. <laughs> Maybe we'll relitigate that without any further ado. It's like doing a rerun. It's like, uh, we've done this, <laughs> and the, sh- the, sh- the shots are mostly the same, and the actors are similar. You've seen it before, but you like it. You like this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like every episode of Friends. It's like every yeah. single one. Uh, which one is this? That's what I was, my wife loves. Did we see this one? All right, without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is We will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we was right y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we will write y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, say the name. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy whose favorite team plays the Warriors tonight. That is Mike Levin. Yes. I've been doing a... I've, now, wait, I'm doing math, which is bad, but I was, now I've been spending close to 50% of my life talking about the Sixers on the internet, <laughs> which is alarming. We're, yeah. we're getting close to that. Oh, boy. The pot alone... The pot alone, we're two months away from eight years. Oh, boy. But yes, my, terrifying. my, my beloved Lakers, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm, excited, yep. I'm excited for this game. I enjoy playing. I enjoy stakes. My favorite sure. four days are the first four weekend of March Madness. So the playing is nice, but I wish that there were maybe eight play-ins happening at the same time so I can achieve maximum right. watching capacity. Uh, right, but it's good. Even though those two games weren't very good uh, last night, there, uh, it's uh, it's undeniably it's, good for the league and for competition and for viewers and everything. It's it's great. The one thing that it has done that you know this year was different because of COVID and because of not being fans in the stands and the amount of like games that I thought that I know teams 
purposely just didn't play guys or, you know, so on and so forth. But what the play-in has done is, and I, I think next year this will be a thing now, is that if, if you don't get a top six seed, you're kind of scared a little bit, you know? It kind of sucks with LeBron bitching about it and Mark Cuban bitching about it. It's like, okay, well, I, I know LeBron did get injured, but I think it, you know, it can make a team think twice about, you know, punting regular season games, and it makes the regular season more important. And I think, I think this play-in thing, especially if the Lakers don't make it or the Warriors don't make it, will make teams think twice about that next year, you know? Yeah, I mean, it just, it just adds, because if you're, if you're really anywhere from, especially in the, I guess I was going to say especially in the West, but really any conference, if you're anywhere from five to eight in a regular year, the end of the season, you're just like, it doesn't really matter. One through four, especially mm-hmm. in the West, is really loaded, so it depends like what the matchups are going to be. But in this situation, it becomes, I really want to get up into that six. And so like everybody's invested in something. So not only is like, hey, mm-hmm. you, get the, you get the first round by, first four, and then the next two, it's, okay, you get to avoid the play-in. And then it's, it's just mm-hmm. like, it just creates stakes, and it creates, I think I meant, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast we did with Jake Fisher last week about his book, which uh, you guys should listen to and read. Uh, or I just thought about it, but like, for so for that like bullshit lottery odds, the flattening of the odds that they were uh, that Adam Silver did a, a nice uh, national media tour saying that he fixed it uh, after he did it. It didn't do anything. Like, you still want no. to finish the low seeds because you can't go past like five or six or whatever it is, depending on where you are. But the incentive to want to be like, hey, the difference between seed eleven and seed ten is a very publicly watched game where if you're a uh, a young team like on the right, that can be a stepping stone. I mean, you look at Phoenix last year, obviously some different things happened, but like they used the bubble as a stepping stone to this season to come together and uh, find something within them, uh, a little bit of chemistry and stuff, and use it as like a momentum builder. And I think that's what the plane can do for, you know, it's a bummer that the Hornets got absolutely beaten so badly. And they lost their last six games, which sucks. But that's the kind of thing where it's like that team could use that as a stepping stone to next season to be like, hey, we're now we're on the stage. This was our first little thing. I just think it's good. I think it's nice. And if you're complaining about it, it's because you didn't play well enough in the season. So yeah. play, win more games. We want the games to count more. We don't want it to just be like, here's 72 games that you're like, yeah, whatever, you'll land where you'll land. Like it should, there should be the the cutoff of the top six seeds automatically advancing is like a big deal, and that's it's a fight to get there. It's good. I'll use my least one of my least favorite internet phrases is like, you don't want to be in the playing game, do better. <laughs> just just don't be the seventh yeah. seed. If you're not the seventh seed, you won't be in the playing game. So, I you know, we'll talk about this with Sharp. I I think, but. Man, I would love to see the Warriors win tonight. Obviously, we're taping this before it, but I would love to see LeBron on the ropes. I I just really, really, really would, you know? Now, what did, they'd play Memphis or San Antonio, yeah. which, you know, there's a, a pretty stark drop-off there. The, the drop-off in, in the Eastern Conference, it's weird because Miami's the six, and we, we don't think they're the six-best team, but there's really only four real teams in the East. There's 
eight in the West, but there's no more than eight. You know, Memphis is, you know, spunky, yeah. but they're not they're not a real yeah. threat or anything. I, uh, so. Boston winning was a was slightly a bummer because I just naturally root for mm-hmm. them to lose all the time. Um, but I well, and you wanted to play. I them wanted to the play them, round. but I am also excited about the idea of of Boston Brooklyn. I feel like that of the alternatives. Boston gives them a, some trouble. Like Marcus Smart on either Kyrie or Harden. There's like a lot of uh, there's narratives there. Tatum coming in and and trying to play as you know as well as Durant. Like that's there's going to be a the fact that Boston does not have any good centers because Tristan Thompson sucks hurts less against Brooklyn. Now I think this would obviously be a much better game if Jalen was healthy, but um, better series. Well, but, uh, I, but I doesn't it? Give them, but they'll give them but, something. But doesn't it not? Because, I mean, it, it obviously hurts less than it would against Philly. But a team like with a player that likes to get to the rim as much as somebody like Harden does, I mean, it hurts them some, right? I mean, just not having like a real rim protector, I, I think, probably hurts them. I think I know? think the the best way to play against Brooklyn and. Their offense is so good that it doesn't necessarily matter what you do. They're going to score. But I think the best way to play against them is to have five switchable defenders on the court at all times. And Mm. uh, not to say that Boston does, but I think having a, you know, a Brooke Lopez type five man would be just hard. You know, he's running out to cover Jeff Green on the perimeter and they're screaming with him for everything and, and letting him like stumble around against... I mean, it's going to happen probably. It's stumble around against Kyrie and and uh, and Harden and, and stuff. I think Boston at least can put out a lineup of like here's you know it's not like Kemba switching much, but he, Kemba can can scoot around and follow Kyrie. But then between Marcus Smart and Tatum and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard tries, Aaron Neesmith has some ability. They're, like they're not good. They're they're especially thin Boston, but I think I don't know. I would love to see them take. A game or two. I think they'll win one game. I think that's it. I think Boston's Boston. Uh, I'm not the first person to say this, but there's an eerie similarity to the 1926ers with Boston, and I think they're just waiting to fold. You know, that's my my prediction. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, would you rather? So, and it's kind of a bummer. Well, only a bummer for me because I like watching Karis Levert, but. Bummer for Indiana that they don't have Levert for whatever the series is. I think if if the Sixers end up playing Indiana, that, I mean, we already said it's going to be an easy path. Without Levert, it makes it an easier path because Levert seems to hurt us a little bit when when they play him. So we're going to talk to Sharp after. We'll talk to Sharp about the Wizards matchup possibility. Um, Mm -hmm. Indiana's interesting. I mean, there's there's storylines with with obviously TJ coming back and Malcolm Brogdon. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like that's a storyline for, story for us Malcolm specifically Brogdon, with the Brogdon. Year, finally, give yeah. it back to us. Have they played him in the playoffs? No, they have not. So no. this would this no. this would be it. We would get that back. We would get that trophy back. Um, what else? I mean, there. It's a bummer about Levert. Could does it mean that he's not vaccinated and that's why he's has to be has to miss like. 10 to 12 days or something like that? Is that what that means officially? Well, they, they, they don't, don't say, it say right? I feel like the, the idea yeah. is like it's way relaxed if you 
if you have, I don't know, whatever. It's Right, but I, I guess I suppose it, it's possible that he could be vaccinated and te- like the Yankees yeah, had. There's a couple breakthrough like cases. Like six people sure. test positive. Yeah, so, I think it was just, so who it was knows? Just I think it was just one kid, but a bunch of people got like, were close to that person. I think there was the reporting on it was weird. I remember hmm. it being, I don't know. Um, oh, I just read headlines. I should know. I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Big Apple. Sure. I'll report, I'll yeah. report on it. For already, you. Ta- yeah. already Yankees talk <laughs> yeah. back on the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> Indiana's interesting. I think, I think yeah, Le- without Levert, Levert did a, a good job in that Brooklyn series a couple years ago. Um, yeah. When uh, nobody else was really hitting any sh- anything on Brooklyn, and he sort of just took over and, 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 and got hot. Um, but Sabonis is really good. And B doesn't seem to have mm-hmm. a, much trouble with him at all, but he is really good, um, and uh, I really like O'Shea. Br- well, TJ, there will be a TJ game. TJ will be out for play. Absolutely, absolutely. And Ed- yeah. Edmund Sumner flies be- around like there's a if if the Pacers win, we'll talk to if they beat Wizards, we'll talk to Caitlin Cooper. We'll bring her back on. She's she previewed the Pacers a couple years ago for us. Um, they're an interesting team. They seem like a frustrating team to watch, and it's been a frustrating season. There's been like. You know, there there was a mutiny with their head coach, basically, and that's been disputed mm-hmm. somewhat. Nate Bjorkren, um, T.J. Warren decided to get elective surgery rather than play for him, which is a move that I deeply respect um, and feels like would have happened to the Sixers at some point in time, um, maybe during the like Eddie Jordan or Doug Collins era. It feels like that. That's like a storyline we like we. In writers' rooms, you write like little storylines on note cards, be like, "Hey, an episode about this, an episode about that." There was definitely an episode of like the 2011 <laughs> Sixers, which was like, guy gets elective surgery to not play for coach, like that. That was definitely well, on the board. You're like, "Oh, we never did that this season." Oh, right, shit. Okay. I I would I would have loved the arguments between you and me where I'm just fucking crushing that guy and you're defending his right <laughs> to get the move. surgery. It's like, a good move. Yeah, we almost we. We almost, we almost have to do that episode uh, just not to rob people of its existence. If you can get somebody else to pay for your surgery, that's the way to do it. I, I just got my car serviced today because, like, my, like, whatever free two years of free care uh, ends at the end of the month. And I'm like, getting that thing in. You're fucking paying for it. I'm not letting it go to waste. Like, that's, that's what getting elective surgery would be to get paid to, uh, for someone else to pay for your stuff. It's like a great move. Mike, with, with my new job situation and in life, anxiety, definitely a problem. Stress, a problem for all of sure. us, right? Body Bio, I've told you about Elite. So Body Bio, that local company that makes Elite, keeping you hydrated, keeping you healthy. I have another product that I got last week and I started to take and I enjoy called Calm. So Body Bio, um, it's a great company. They're from New Jersey. Mike and Jess, family, family, brother, sister, family-owned company. And so I trust them because they're always changing, always adapting. As a supplement company that is small like they are, they can adapt quickly. So Calm, it, so you hear something like Calm, and, and you think, well, does it, does it make me sleepy? Or does it make me tired? Or does it make me, like, you know, hazy or anything like that? No, 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 no. It uses amino acids and aptogens by just sort of like taking the edge off, I guess I would, I would describe it. All natural stuff, no drugs in there or anything. Basically five active ingredients, glycine, taurine, rhodiola, uh, 
manganese, and then there's one that starts with PHO, phos something. I don't know what that I like one is. Like take the edge off. But it sounds, it's a very like 1950s yeah. phrase for like cocaine. <laughs> it's it's not it's not like no cocaine. it's not. But the phrase the phrase. So the phrase is yeah yeah. Um, once again, the second time in three weeks, I think you accuse me of being madman. So you're doing it. The, you keep giving me reason. The to. thing I, the thing I like about calm is so you take it whenever you want, right? Mm-hmm. You can take it in the morning, like maybe when you're starting work, sort of take the edge off. I it like it allowed me it. to sort of again. focus on stuff, you take the edge again. off again. You're laughing. Black tar heroin. Okay. Take the edge off. It's 1955, <laughs> and you need it. <laughs> no, you take it in the morning. I wake up at 2.30 in the morning all the time with, like, I stressed out and I can't go back to sleep. You could take it then. You could take it at night to just sort of, like, relax. What it does is, is I, I, don't, I don't even want to say it anymore, um, works in about 15 minutes. You can take it up to three times a day. Uh, it's just this one little pill. And I took it about 20 minutes before we did the pod because I get stressed out doing this. You? I don't want to drink every time we do the pod. I do, very stressed. I got, I got into a thing where I would drink every time we did the pod. That feels like that's my fault. No, no, it's just, it's me. It's my, I'll get into that a whole other CJ's time. Fault. That's, that's me. It's definitely CJ's fault. It's 100% CJ's fault. So now I don't have to, I take Calm. So use promo code RTRS20 for 20% off Calm or Elite. Right here, or anything else on the Body Bio website. So go to bodybio.com. Just try it. As I'm saying, try it. 20% off, RTRS20, bodybio.com. It takes the edge off. But yeah, we're, and it's, bum, it's a bummer that Miles Turner, who I know you don't like and think is good, but ha- was having a good year well, for sure. I, um, I think he's, I just don't think he's no, that good. No, I don't, good. I don't I think, think anyone he's, thinks he's, he's that good. But yeah. especially like, and, and yeah. NB just has absolutely crushed him. Um, he destroys yeah, him. Totally. But yeah. the... There's like length and positioning. By the way, Doug McDermott is good. He's legitimately good. I was very down on yes. McDermott coming out of college. He was bad for a number of years. He's 100% good. There were a good. ton of people, your dad included, as a number of people as well, that wanted the Sixers to take Doug McDermott at like three in the Embiid year. Dick Girardi. A, a um, who else? Ed, Ed Rendell. Rendell, sure. Ed Rendell yeah. is just only bad takes. Guy has never stumbled into a good take by accident. Um, and so those kinds of, like, he's good. He's just good now. He is a, he's a great shooter, obviously. He flies around the perimeter. He cuts really hard, and I respect and appreciate that. And he's a decent ball handler, like, in, in straight line drives. Like, he, he finishes around the rim. I, I, I like, I am pro Doug McDermott, and it's a surprise to me, even, that I am. He is the basketball version of a professional hitter. Sure. Like, of a, the yeah, baseball like, professional yeah, good hitter. piece of hitting. Kind of guy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, so, you know, before we, uh, I wanted to get to the YouTube comment and also then we'll, we'll get to Sharp, but the, there weren't that many quotes out of Sixers practice today. There were a couple from Danny Green. The, the, the first one I just thought was funny. I, I believe that it's true, but I thought it was funny. Danny Green said the reason, the difference between last year and this year is that Doug, is that Doc Rivers set the culture and like, you know, provided accountability. And I just thought to myself, it's like, dude, you weren't even he here last that? year. <laughs> Danny, yes. you didn't even go here. What are you doing? 
<laughs> you did, you're not even, you're not from here. But then the other the other quote was Danny Green says they were quote this is from Kyle Newbeck going at each other in practice today thinks it was a necessary experience that will help bring them closer and get them ready for the playoffs. Either that is complete bullshit or two guys got into a little right, thing. That's my first like that's my who, was, who threatened yeah. to slap the shit out of who because that's yes. what that means. If it's just a hey we practiced hard. Yep. That's the thing is that. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? I'm going to act. The season has gone too well for me to assume that there was some secret fight. And I know I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. That, that I have, I'm capping my own thoughts about there being like a big fight between like, I don't know, friggin' Seth and Joel or something. That would be weird. It would be a bad fight for him. But the, <laughs> the we haven't talked like, it's, this is the longest they've had a break for the whole season. They yeah. went from horrible bubble to quick mm-hmm. new team to like barely even getting to get in the gym with each other because of those like fall, uh, early autumn like COVID restrictions um, to then playing mm-hmm. a marathon season. And uh, even with like the vaccination schedules or uh, sorry, the testing schedules, they've had to like come in and come in and come in. There was a line from Tobias. Uh, like a week or two ago about him going like it felt like this was a vacation when he had like one day off and so the idea that they are getting time off right now to like chill relax reflect maybe read a book maybe some Tobias uh, Tobias sponsored reading happening here Um, and just practice as a team like Doc can put some stuff in there were things that we've talked about their transition defense and that needs to be a thing that they clean up over this week. And the fact that they had a full week to do it, slight bummer that they don't know who their opponent is and won't know until tomorrow night. But even tomorrow night, they have still Friday and Saturday before the game on Sunday Mm -hmm. to, to scout and get ready for their opponent and everything. So it's just, it's really nice. And that, and this is a more than home court advantage. I would say, because home court advantage is one game. It's one game difference. I would say more than home court advantage. Mm -hmm. The difference in having a week off from the end of the season, top six seed, and having to play in one or two games uh, over this over the course of this week and fly around and stuff, the fact that they're just home, it's a really, really big deal, and I hope that they... I'm sure there's going to be some rust, but long-term, I think this is a really very, very necessary gift to the teams that finish in the top six seed um, mm-hmm. going, going forward. A week off is yeah. incredible. It is, somebody brought this up to me. It is a bit of a deficiency for the number one seed to to find out last who they're playing. Yeah, but the, like, every, every, theoretically, they're, you they know? either have a team that finished around 500 or mm-hmm. lost one game in the 7-8. I think ultimately... N- not in the West. Even still, you still get a week off. Yeah. It's I, not like... yeah. I mean, right now, you know it's one of two teams, and you have a bunch of scouts and assistant coaches that can determine, hey, this is our game plan if it's this team, this is our game plan if it's that team. So you're not starting, you're not like, it's not a Royal Rumble, where you're just like, who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. You're waiting for whoever to come out of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm just saying, it is a little weird that yeah. like the, the one seed seems to get the, 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 the last part of that. But yes, it's, it's obviously the, the worst yeah. team. Um, 
The Hard to Stomach YouTube Comment of the Week, brought to you by Stateside Vodka, sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Make sure you get your Ricky Playoff Pack. Go to statesidevodka.com. Go to the Spirit section, and it's in there. You get the laser-engraved bottle of Stateside that says Playoffs 21. It only counts if and they does, win. And it does, by the way. This, it does. The Stateside Rocks glass, which is awesome, the best rocks glass there is. And the, the official Zoe price went up recipe card of the price went up drink which is the official drink of the playoffs which is stateside cranberry uh lime i believe with a rock i believe uh, i would hope he does it with a rock especially with cranberry this comes from sean carroll leave a comment on the youtube we could read it if you ever wonder if we've all taken this too far i think it was confirmed for me around the 20 minute mark of last podcast when mike enthusiastically compares rajon tucker to kj mcdaniels who has played 39 minutes of NBA basketball in the last five years. I actually paused the pod and played it back to be sure I was indeed getting excited by Mike saying, quote, he's really like a slightly smaller KJ McDaniels with some functional handles. We've gone too far, but there's no turning back. Keep it up, guys. We love it. Hashtag yeah, de- I would say certainly not the most ridiculous thing that we've that we've said or specifically I've said, but, but we are now getting, it is seven years, six Six or seven years since since KJ was on the team. Yeah. And to positively say that, that he's KJ McDaniels. I mean, it's a two-way contract. It's not like I'm saying that about, like, a first-round pick or anything. But, uh, no, I don't think that it's, I'm healthy or this is healthy at all, for sure. It It's just that it was the first podcast after the Sixers finished yeah, with yeah, the yeah, number yeah, one yeah. seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. that the context is like necessary. All right. Two quick mailbag questions. One is not even a question. It's just a story. And I think it's necessary because we got several emails about it. And the other one's a question I teased in the lead. So might as well. So this comes from Vikram. We actually got a few emails about this, but this comes from the actual person that it is about. I emailed basketball question for Mike. I emailed the show about a month ago about my season long shake Milton bet with my best friend, Steve, right. as a reminder at the beginning of the season, we set an over-under of 13 points per game with a $250 dinner at Zahav in Philly on the line, and I took the over. When I emailed the show, your opinion on my chances to win the bet, Shake was averaging 13.7 points per game, and George Hill still hadn't played a game in a Sixer uniform yet. Now, Mike said, I thought I should win my bet, but Spike very confidently said, 13, it's a lock, he's going over 13, there's no way he's dropping a full point per game the rest of the year, and George Hill is barely going to play anyway. Now, I meant number of games. I didn't mean minutes, just for clarity's sake. Now, if we're being honest with ourselves, George Hill hasn't been great for the Sixers, but he has averaged 19 minutes and been the first guy off the bench the last couple games, so Spike was wrong there. It's not really what I meant. In the regular season finale, Shake needed 17 points for a push, 18 for me to win. As you know, the starters were rested, and Shake played arguably his most complete game of the season, setting his career high with nine assists and stuffing the stat sheet with three threes, four boards, one steal, two blocks, no turnovers. Shake balled out in the third quarter with 10 points, but then Doc inexplicably rested him for the fourth, thereby stranding him with 15 points and leaving Shake at 12.968 oh. points per oh. game this season. I, I saw it at thir- Mike- I caught it at 13.0 when I looked after the season, so I was like, oh, he got it. Okay, great. But uh, got to look at those decimal points. My question for Mike do you think Spike jinxed my bet? And if so, should he have to join Steve and me for dinner and cover the bill with his newfound WFAN? Wow, I like, 
Ask, I like putting that on me, that I get to spend your money. So the answer is absolutely. Uh, <laughs> definite jinx, spike jinx, the Ricky, whatever the opposite of the Ricky bump is. We, I can't believe we don't have a name for it yet, but the, something, Ricky curse, something like that. Ricky curse, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't think, and, and it should be your choice. You shouldn't feel the need to have dinner with Spike. You can kick right. him out at any time, I would say during the dinner. Yes. And he has to just leave his card. And you just like give yeah. it back to him. Yeah, or it could just, if you don't want me to show up at all, it could be a gift card. He goes, non-basketball question for Spike, what time works best for dinner? Let me know and I'll make the res. Here is what I am committing to. If you want me to join for dinner, I will join for dinner. If you just want me to pay for your dinner, I will pay for your dinner. I'm sorry I jinxed you. I'm sorry. I, I, I just really inexplicable. I really just thought George Hill was only going to play a couple games the way he was talking. He didn't. It fucked it up. I'm and sorry. Ma and Maxie. I would Maybe say that's Maxie what. Also, his improved play. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing, just because I tagged it in the top, this comes from Steven, his non basketball question. You're on death row, you're about to be executed, and they ask you what you want for your last meal. What do you choose? Well, after a long rant about how the death penalty is inhumane and it shouldn't exist and we shouldn't do that, let's, let's qualify that. Assume right. that I said that and I made a bunch of great points because it's ridiculous and, and inhumane. But mm -hmm. as far as the last meal right, goes, right, right. Um, yeah. it's, I feel like we've had this question before. Um, I've become, I think I might have said this, I've become, I think it happened like just before the pandemic, I tried Indian food for the first time. And oh, it's great. It was always like, with, with my nut allergy, it's always just like dicey and going to places that I've just never been or I don't know. Like, there's, mm -hmm. it's just like it's a little scary. And especially if it's like authentic Indian food where I, there's like a language barrier sometimes, like, I just, Get, I just got worried, but one, but I think, I think, I knew that the pandemic was coming and I was gonna die anyway, and so I was like, let's just try it, and uh, and since then I've become very obsessed with Indian food, and I love it, and so it's great. I would have a huge array of Indian food, and then die farting up a storm, um, and that's their fault for for killing me, uh, in a. Uh, disgusting, cruel way, and they should have to smell my dying parts because of it. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm gonna say, Mike. Over, well, mine would be either dry pepper style tofu from Han Dynasty or pizza from uh, Gaetano's in Springfield. I know I'm vegan, but if I gotta die, then I'm okay with the dairy. So that's what I would do. But Mike, here is my offer to you without permission. And my brother will probably be furious, but you wouldn't care about going anyway. My brother over, my brother's wife is Indian. They live in LA from a, you know, traditional Indian family. And the wedding is just nothing but fucking Indian food everywhere. Now they didn't get to have a real wedding because it was during COVID, but they are working on rescheduling the actual celebration. Mike, if you would like to come and just Indian food yourself to fucking death, I would love I'll to see by, that. I'll I would love to see you just box yeah. and just sort of like ladle some yes. stuff in. That'd be nice. I also would. I feel like your brother reached out Absolutely. to me one time to like get together for some reason, and I don't remember why, and it never happened. But hmm. uh, 
He's like a vice president at Disney now. You should. He's good people. If to he know. wants to, if they want to host me for a dinner and have an authentic meal, I would. I would be all about that <laughs> for sure. Would yeah. love to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna line that up. I'm gonna yeah. line that up. He. They had a traditional Indian ceremony in his his uh, in in Sasha's parents' backyard. Nice. It was obviously small, but watching my brother. Uh, in the traditional Indian garb was amazing to me. Like, it was a really cool ceremony to watch. So anyway, so I'll, we'll make sure you get, uh, you bring the to-go Great. box and, uh, and get some food. Mike, I think it is a factor of the fact of seeding because the Nets actually play the Bucks. But for the first time, the Sixers are significantly, like have significantly shorter championship odds on DraftKings than the Bucks do. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's pretty. I think the Bucks just have the the harder path. Yeah, well, because they have to play the Heat. Yeah, right. They have to play the Heat and then the Nets. I mean, so the the Nets are plus two fifty. The Lakers are plus four hundred. Clippers, who in my opinion have zero chance of winning the championship, are plus five hundred. Now they will because I said it about Toronto, another Kawhi team, and then the Sixers are plus six fifty. Uh, the Bucks are plus eight hundred, and then to win the conference. Uh, Nets are plus 110, but then Sixers are plus 300, Bucks plus 325. So we've come a long way, baby. You know, we did this all to be the second favorite to come out of the East. That's right. And <laughs> yeah. time for another victory lap. <laughs> yeah. Retreat Armageddon, right. second shortest odds to come out of the conference. DraftKings is where we get all our odds. That's where I bet on Sixers Live. I bet on Sixers Games Live because that's where I feel like I have the advantage. DraftKings has. Bigger promotions, uh, and now they have one that is fun, I think. Hammer the over and score cash. So DraftKings Sportsbook gives you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. So everyone who places a bet on the featured basketball game can lower the over-under, right? So for every 1,500 people who bet the over in any game, the over-under drops by one point. So, so like the more people that gang up and bet the over, it'll lower the over under and give them a better chance to win. It's honestly seems like a terrible idea for DraftKings, but for you, seems like great. I, have a, I would just search Twitter and see which one people are. Hammering. I have a pretty good, firm understanding of the GameStop situation, and that—that's <laughs> what this like sounds this like. This is what this promotion <laughs> is, and I really get it. Yeah. But it's it's like it's voluntary on DraftKings' yeah, part. There's, it's there's not like GameStop. you know, yeah. There's <laughs> that's what it's called, self GameStop. So go in, uh, hammer the hammer the over. Just hammer it. Double your money by hammering the over because every time you hammer the over, it's going to lower the over under. DraftKings Sportsbook, great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, baseball. When football comes back, everything. There's like I just looked at it. There's like 25 sports you can bet on right now. I don't even know how. Safe, secure, reliable, make your deposits easily, withdraw easily, use the casino, play a little Sixers blackjack. They got, not blackjack, yeah, Sixers, no. Yeah, Sixers blackjack in there. I was wondering if it was blackjack. Yeah, Sixers blackjack. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends, tell your family. Team effort, obviously. Hammer the over. Improve your odds of doubling your money. Promo code RTRS for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And the casino, like the blackjack, the poker, that's all in the same app. Must be 21 or older. 
New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Restrictions apply. Maximum $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends 5-23-21. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I don't know. <laughs> Are you m- closer to your mic than three feet? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. We are joined by former basketball guy, current uh, piece of shit lawyer, and <laughs> and one of the two hosts of the worst name podcast in America, and the only one you have to pay for. Greatest of all talk, Wizards fan Andrew Sharp. There you go. Available to subscribers everywhere. Great to see you guys. Great to see AU, you too. At AU, get off my talk. Greatest of all, gold. <laughs> this really goes hand in hand. Bye on AU before we get started. Oh, wait. We lost him. Oh. Uh, no, he's there. He's there. Okay. Even if his video goes out, he'll be okay. Well, he'll I be got okay. scared. We'll, we'll, I saw his smiling we'll face yeah. and it went away, so I got nervous. Nah, 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 uh, nah. How's it going, man? How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. I feel a little conflicted about coming on here to preview a Wizards Sixers series that like definitely could not happen. Uh, I have no faith in the Wizards to win tomorrow night. So um, I don't know. I'm here to provide any takes you're looking for. The Wizards to me are a perfect example of you got to watch the games because on the box scores and on ESPN.com or whatever, the last three weeks, you're like, man, Wizards are fucking scary. Look at Russ, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and, and then I watched the game, and I was like, they fucking suck. Like, this team's terrible. So are they, are they, are they pretty good, or are they terrible? So that's exactly where I am, actually, because I stopped following the Wizards entirely because I just decided it would be like the healthier choice for me because the first couple weeks of the season, I was like, the team might be okay this year. Like they played the Sixers pretty close on opening night. And I was like, hey, let's see what this turns into. Oh and then God. it was we like the, the most pretty close on opening night is the saddest No, look, they there's no the arguments here. Pretty close on opening night. <laughs> you <laughs> sat with me and, and, and just like logged all the sad things I said about <laughs> me rooting for like Zaza Pachulia to like, game. And you on the eve of the a winner go home playoff saying they played close on opening night is really one of the sadder things I've ever heard or even even said. There's no arguments here. Everything about this Wizards season has been really sad, including pretending to be excited about Russell Westbrook for the last month or so. Um, It's all a lot to handle. I will say this, though. Like, it has given me new appreciation for where you were in 2012 because when you and I used to argue about whether it was smart to add good veterans and whatnot, like we had Bradley Beal and John Wall in year two and year three. And I thought, you know what? It's a good idea. Like add some veterans around them and see what they can accomplish. Like give them a chance to actually succeed. And I was right then, but... When you compare it to where we are now, which is where the Sixers were after like five years of Billy King and Doug Collins, like, and you're just topping out at like seventh or sixth or eighth year after year after year, 
there's nothing I would like more than the opportunity to just like bottom out for a year or two. Mm. So while this is not a concession speech as far as like our arguments between the Wizards and Sixers eight or nine years ago, I do, I look at it now and I'm like, is this team ever going to have any real ambition? And if not, why do I give a shit? So <laughs> that's where I am. It does. It does sound a lot like a concession speech. And it sounds, it, it sounds like the kind of, like you're calling me to tell my campaign, conceding <laughs> after a long recount for years. Honestly, uh, no, no. They're competing thoughts because you texted me this afternoon and I, was, I thought to myself, I haven't listened to the pod in a little while. Like, let me hear what the Ricky is talking about. Maybe and they you, changed. You open up the most recent pod, victory lapping about the process and how right you guys were. And then you get into this like 25 minute back and forth with Jake Fisher, where you're both talking about how smart Hanky was. And it's just like, what? I didn't hit me. I didn't say that. (laughs) I said, I don't think it's smart. I think it was deeply obvious. I think it was very easy to do. And other people are just stupid or don't have the balls to do it or, or think that your wizards, like, making one day you'll get to that six seed. Like, you can, yeah. you, if, like, with the right, if things shake out enough, you can get there. It's cool because of the ambition that was at the core of everything. Yeah. Yeah. The actual process and the way people talked about Sam Hinkie during those years he was like this mysterious figure, this mastermind in the shadows. And it's your really, fucking fault. It's your you, fault. When you step back, it was like very conventional tanking with a yeah. couple like private equity remixes in there. For sure. But 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 it only became what it was because of people like you, <laughs> not be, people like us. People would have ignored us if you didn't. If people didn't make it into some just fucking. It, it was the circle jerk about how wrong it was. That was the pro- that's what made us so powerful. Okay, it was it wasn't us. We were fucking losers. There, like fifty people in a sports bar watching the fucking lottery. Like that's what we would have been if you didn't fucking make enemies out of us. We you didn't made be us careful here. Revolutionaries. First of all, we all share blame for how insane it became. <laughs> Second of all, there were like two different categories of process critics. There were a a group of people who were like, this is bullshit. This will never work. And like columnists basically taking pot shots at them nonstop. And then I was in a different category where I was like, this is not as smart as people are making it sound. And uh, I still feel okay about that particular take, but I feel like, you guys have been speaking to category one. I'm not going to name any columnists. I could definitely think of some uh, who are just like, this is all just a total house of cards. And, uh, and that coupled with you guys having like an army of insane people on the internet, it all sort of turned into a saga that continues to this day. Yeah. And it'll never end. And, and we all made mistakes. And we all, uh, we, You're we all so foolish. Moments. But, you know, at the end of the day, we were accurate in how we felt. And, and, it, feels, and it feels good. And everyone's healthy for now. 
Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to apologize for a, uh, an enjoyable season. A rare, a rare, really nice, winning, vibeful season. And, and relatively drama-free, certainly by Sixers standards, but yeah. even by any standard in the NBA. I think like you guys have had a really nice, smooth ride here. I do one other thing from the podcast I listened to earlier. My favorite part of the podcast was you, yeah, you guys were talking about one of these games at the end of the season and like Spike was ready to move on and you had more notes on Isaiah Joe and Rajon Tucker <laughs> and you could hear Spike like audibly groan as you went into it. Um, it reminded me why I love both of you guys. Uh, but I'm curious, like, do you resent having to talk about meaningful basketball as we enter the playoffs here? Uh, I, I obviously, you know, I love meaningless basketball and developmental basketball. Um, and I will not apologize for wanting to talk about Isaiah Joe on a basketball podcast <laughs> as he is a basketball player for the team that we cover. Uh, but, uh, it took, I'd say now that this is the Sixers fourth year in the playoffs in a row, uh, I believe fourth year in hosting a playoff series too, right? They were top four seed each year. Yeah. Um, well, not last year. They were six seed last year. Or six. Oh, last year didn't yeah. count. But yeah. you just, this is just the life now. I know it's hard for, as a lowly <laughs> Wizards fan, but now you get into a place where, like, you know, I've been living with Alyssa for so long, and I think some of the energy has sort of, sort of glommed onto me a little bit, and I'm just used to winning and being there and being ready. And uh, so covering meaningful games, playoff games, uh, it's just, I guess, that's just our curse now. I think. Yeah. No more Rajon Tucker hours. Well, meaningful I, minute. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, don't, I don't not like talking about meaningful basketball. I do miss the carefree part of the, the first part of this. Like, it's just, it is nice to be, it's like the first day of class when all you're getting the syllabus or the first few days of a new job where like you don't know how to do anything anyway, so you're just going to HR and collecting a paycheck, you're filling out all the forms. That's what the first couple of years were like. And that was, the, though the, the losing streaks got a little intense every once in a while, I do miss that a little bit. I do miss the idea that a season, the season always ended fine for us. Yeah. It just ended. I'm yeah. getting a doctorate in the Sixers at this point. We're like, we're past, we're in grad school. We're beyond, <laughs> I'm like triple degree on this team like I know I know how to I know what I'm doing at this point and it's I don't want to think it's good or not know how to talk about the Sixers in the way that I talk about the Sixers so it doesn't feel exactly what I was bred to do well you you definitely have your own distinct lane and I salute you for it we're almost we're almost a decade into this podcast sharp just just so you're aware the so here's my question for you about okay. the Wizards. Bradley Beal, committed to the Wizards, wants to be there, yada, yada, yada. Is that loser shit or, like, star hero shit? Because mm. Sharp, Sharp could go either way. Sharp's got a little piece of both of us in there. He's really the medium <laughs> yes. between me and Spike. He really is. He really was, interested he was, to hear what he says. He was born of our loins, I think. Well, 
Uh, I'm reluctant to call it loser shit because I feel like that's so hyper cynical and, and I'm allowing the internet to like infect my brain in that scenario. However, um, he, I think he likes the power that he wields in the Wizards organization and he is basically like catered to as if he were LeBron James. And so I think like he's comfortable in DC. His wife likes it in DC. And there have been several points, particularly this season, where I look around and I'm like, why isn't this guy asking for a trade? And should I be holding it against him? So I'm not quite there as far as like actually holding it holding it against him. But it's definitely like a question that has recurred over the last 18 months or so. His, his wife likes it in D.C. is another really sad thing to hear. <laughs> Just really very upsetting. I think that might mouth. be a factor, man. I don't know. I, like, I can't explain it otherwise. And, and Ish Smith and Howell Neto are getting major rotation on the Wizards, and I want to know how you feel about it. Okay, so how I feel is that Sunday, I bought all the way back into the Wizards because I was like rooting for them to have that Celtics matchup. And yeah, I just game. was like riding the waves. Yeah. And Ish Smith, I fell in love with Ish Smith. He mm -hmm. has been awesome. The Ish Smith and Robin Lopez, like pick and roll, is, is basically all we have off the bench. We've been there. And Except so, our starters. <laughs> Except it was our starters. But yeah, we've been there. Yeah, well, and it was sad for you guys, and it's sad for me. Uh, yes. So here we are. Um, beyond that, though, I watched on Tuesday, and they were so screwed up that I remembered why I had cut this team out of my life. So as far as, like, looking ahead to the playoffs, I'm curious for, like, how confident you guys are. But... When I think about the Wizards, they are a good team when Davis Bertans can actually hit shots. And when he's not hitting shots, they are like deeply mediocre. Um, but if Davis can like put together two or three good playoff games, they'll be able to push the Sixers if they get that far. Just, just feels like spike it. Like if Isaiah Cannon just gets hot from like 28, well, you don't know, it could happen. It really I, feels that way. To be honest with you, I'm not rooting for that. I need to be okay. clear. I would prefer to have a top five pick, but I look at the Sixers. I was thinking about this. I, I was talking about it on my podcast last week. Like, they've had such a good regular season and deserve a lot of credit for how rock solid they've been basically the entire time. But in the back of my mind, I, I imagine what their playoff run will look like. And they've got like the best draw possible. But I mm -hmm. think they, they are still going to be, even if they make the finals, they're going to be one of those teams that goes like five, six, or seven games in every series. And probably it's like six or seven in the second round and beyond. And I think that might just be a function of like the lack of firepower on offense. But I feel like they'll make it interesting and, and very Sixers-y somewhere along the way over the next six weeks or so. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Certainly could. Um, do you think that if the Wizards beat the Pacers, that they uh, that they would take a game or two from the Sixers? Do you like what's the vibe? They about Beal's hamstring. Russ seemed like weirdly passive at the beginning of that Celtics game. 
is that sort of a, an art artistic choice of his? What do you, what's the? Well, I appreciate the choice on his part because he still shot 33% from the floor. So as passive is probably good in that situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like Rui Hachimura, helpful on offense. He's got like the worst defensive IQ of any player I've ever seen, maybe. Um, mm. And had five fouls in 10 minutes for most of the Celtics game. So they're a mess, but I think they'll be frisky against the Sixers because like the one thing that Washington can do is they can score. And, uh, and I think like as good as the Sixers defense is, some of their offense you're not going to be able to take away. So I think like a shootout against Brooklyn would have been four games, maybe five. Uh, but I think they could like mix it up with the Sixers and hang for a little while there. Well, Beal seems to, like average seems to average forty points a game against the Sixers. So I could imagine I could imagine that happening. I have good news, Mike. Very very good news. Good news is I finally got to. There's a couple of our sponsors that I know very very well, and I know they do very good work. But I haven't been able to really use them before because there hasn't been a situation in my life that called for it. Now, Adam Kasabi gave me a, or the official realtor of the process gave me a uh, a person to refinance my home, which I did. But now, since I'm moving to New York to go work up there, while well, moving to New Jersey, I needed two separate realtors. Now, Kasabi uh, is not licensed in PA or New Jersey. He's Delaware, Maryland, and we'll get to that. But he can be your resource for a realtor. So he got me a great realtor in New Jersey to buy a home. He got me a great realtor in PA to eventually sell my home. And, you know, it's a crazy time in real estate, as you know, as you've said before, but I got to use Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E. Great time to get a, a beach house. Delaware beaches, like, look, the interest rates are super low. Summer's coming up. What you do, you buy the beach house in Delaware, 1,500 bucks in, you know, uh, property taxes in Delaware, as I'm learning very different New Jersey, very, very fucking different New Jersey. That's why Kasabi and his team focus on Delaware. Rehoboth, uh, Lewis, uh, Dewey. What's another beach down there? Give me, um, there's gotta be another one. Rehoboth, Lewis, Dewey. I know there's a couple other ones. The real estate is cheaper in Delaware than it is in New Jersey Shore. The property taxes are cheaper and you got a guy in Delaware. The Kasabi team based out of Long and Foster in Bethany Beach, every square inch of Delaware. Or if you're like me, you're selling your house, you're buying a house, whatever. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. Call them or text them. Email them. Adam at processrealtor.com. It's Adam Kasabi, K-S-E-B-E, the official realtor of the process. You know, you, you mentioned your podcast and Look, I don't expect you to respond to this, and I, I, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to put you in any sort of uncomfortable situation. And I'm just saying this because I pay for your podcast and I listen to it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if Ben Golliver continues to duck my emails, you're oh, not boy. getting my $6 a month anymore. What are you like, emailing Ben Golliver about? Because I have incredible problems i emailed the show account so in, in fairness i don't know who reads them but he's he he's got he's a hypocrite he's an enormous hypocrite all he did for years 
was say that Devin Booker's not a winning player. Let me see him play some defense. Blah, 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 blah. It's a now Devin ben Gulliver voice. I will say Dev, De, De, Devin Booker is on the team that has the second best record in the NBA and a very good defense that he's a part of. And it's not like like by the way, they're also eight and zero in the bubble. There's no come to Jesus shit with Ben, but he continues to stroke the 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 <laughs> the, the, the main of. Nikola Jokic and uh, uh, what's it called? And Luka Doncic, both white. I'm just saying, both doughy white guys who are <laughs> bad at defense, bad at defense, who have not won anything. And if their team, if they would be better at defense, their teams would be better. And there's no comment about it. There's nothing. And he just needs to admit he was wrong about. Devin Booker. He was well, fucking wrong and he's a hypocrite. And just what, fucking say it. What Spike is saying is that the apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect was. The famous yes. Trey Young quote. Um, yeah, I can't help you there. I am just, saving- this is for me, not for you. I don't want you to, I don't want you in the middle of it. This is this is about me and Gulliver ignoring my emails. Just ig- admit, admit that you're a hypocrite. Admit I, it. I, I have two responses to that. One it makes a lot of sense to me why Spike insists on reading like 14 YouTube comments and like 17 emails of podcasts because he's a guy doing that himself. <laughs> yeah. He believes in the media. Himself. Right. Absolutely. I wish I could just read my own comment. Somebody's got to do it. Wait a minute. Someone's got to do it. The second thing is I just want to know this is a question and I'm getting it. I'm getting it from a bunch of listeners in their cars saying it right now. And I just want to know, Spike, when was admitted that you were wrong about something and that the apology was as big as the disrespect. Several times. I've admitted I was wrong several times. Give us, give us, give us one. I, I, give me the last three times I was wrong and I'll tell you if I was wrong. I told you I was wrong about <laughs> Dwight Howard. I gave myself an award for being wrong about Dwight okay, Howard. Okay, Dwight Howard, sure. Sure. Any other one? I was, I was wrong about FERC. I, I was wrong about Shake Milton. Like I, I said, I said one preseason and I said this too. I said during summer league that Mariel Shayok would, would, would play more minutes that year than Shake Milton. I was okay, wrong these, about these Shake are Milton. these are like fringe, later on the roster. One, any bigger? You're talking about Luca and Booker and Jokic. Any other in that area? Well, I, like, what else do you want me to like? Like, I was, I, I like, I don't see, I don't see any fucking anybody lining up to say that I was right about Brian Colangelo or or Markel Fultz like the entire time. Like, I don't, like, people were fucking killing me. I don't hear anybody lining up to say, it's like, oh, like (laughs) Ben Simmons averaging another 12 points and seven rebounds and six assists. It's like, congratulations, Spike, you were right. He's fucking exactly the same as last year. We're all right and we're all wrong. I'm just saying that Golliver is a hypocrite. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Like, like, I, I don't know, I don't know, I was wrong about the, the I even said this podcast that I was wrong about the uh, the the Raptors falling apart. I said the Raptors were going to fall apart last year or that when they won the championship and they never did. I've been wrong plenty. We're all right and we're all wrong. We're not general managers. We don't get paid to be right. We just get paid to talk. Well, I just, I'm, first not, of and all, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking from a bunch of text messages I got and some emails and some. A lot of people confused about some Jimmy Butler talk last time. A lot of people just with a lot of questions about <laughs> no, that. You, and that's do you know all what I'm saying? I'm a vessel for other people. I've actually turned my own editorializing off, and I'm just speaking th- the comment. I'm gone. Oh, uh, seems, I'm seems like somebody's it. reading tweets. Somebody, somebody's reading tweets and reacting to tweets and reading tweets. Not me. 
Sounds like somebody right. else. Yeah. Um, it, everyone seemed like in, in unable to understand this that Jimmy is like Butler. Therapy, that, by the way, and that, I love being here that, for it. Everybody seems unable <laughs> to understand that Jimmy Butler could a be able to beat the Sixers, but b also not be able to be the primary offensive option on a championship team. Like beating the Sixers doesn't make you fucking Michael Jordan in 1996. It means that you beat the Sixers. It's not. It's not beating the the Warriors on your own. It doesn't make him fucking LeBron five years ago. The fact that I said that he wouldn't lose to the Sixers is is a statement about how he feels about the Sixers, not a statement about that I think Jimmy Butler's a top five player in the NBA. He's like the 17th best player in the NBA. I think that is totally fair. So Bradley Beal's probably right around the same thing, and he could probably beat the Sixers too, not with this team, but I think he could probably single-handedly beat the Sixers. Well, That's here's it. what I can promise you, Spike, as yes. a loyal subscriber, we yes. will address the Devin Booker email. <laughs> they love, no, and they love their fans. They love their fans. It's a, it's a huge... Well, Absolutely. I, just, I hear you reading the email from the Mormon girl every time she writes in. Mm -hmm. But for me, I get ignored. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, look goat.supportingcast.fm everybody subscribe and you can hear ben goliver's response to this <laughs> honestly you quoted the email almost verbatim i think you did actively call him a hypocrite in the email so uh, to get a sense for why we didn't read it but we will um i'm curious do you guys think mike do you believe in devin booker i know i know spike does uh with Chris Paul on the team, I would say yeah. Um, I think having slightly less responsibility to on what he's good at. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see him in the playoffs. He's been he's points for a long time and has not been in the playoffs. So there's a bunch of guys I'm excited for to like finally get in the playoffs this year. I it would be a bummer to me if Phoenix lost to the Lakers in like five or six. Yeah, that would be, I agree. That would be very sad. Um, so I hope, I hope that they do well. Are you a Lakers believer this year? No, no, I, I just don't, I just don't think they're that good. I mean, I could see them turning it on and, and just limiting bad minutes and stuff, but there's just, there's just weirdness. It's just like, it's the wrong vibe. And the, and the, and the vibe I get from the Sixers this year is honestly what it felt like with the, like a little bit of cruise control, a little bit of like just comfort playing with each other, a whole lot of Dwight Howard. And I think I, I just it seems like it should be it should be the year for them also. Yeah, it's funny because I think the Sixers caught so many NBA media people off guard that like still nobody takes them that seriously coming out of the East. Like if you look at who people are picking, most people are picking either the Bucks or Nets. And uh, and I, I wonder whether that's because people just have no idea like what to make of this team or whether it's questions about what Simmons is bringing to the table in the playoffs. But and that is a good analogy. Last year's Lakers, like whatever you want to say, there's a part of me that still, I, they just didn't really play anybody who could like make them uncomfortable along mm -hmm. the way. Uh, but the Sixers may not, at least for the first few rounds. And so they did have like great chemistry and uh, the Sixers like seem to be on that same wavelength this year. So that bodes well. Um, I am, I'm wondering though, like if you look at 
the next two months, what's the worst case scenario on the table for you guys? <laughs> like if it goes bad, out. how does it go bad? I, I think I think part of being and and probably being a process Sixers fan, but also being a Philadelphia fan in general, is feeling like I fly home for the parade and I could see them losing to the Wizards. Like I've, I, th- I hold both of those realities in my mind. And one is weighted more than the other, but anytime I think one a too much, then the other one like pops back up. And so I think it's certainly possible that they just don't hit shots. They start to look clunky. There's four guys posting up, guys go cold. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody uh, threatens to slap the shit out of somebody else. And it just, you know, Doc doesn't adjust. Like, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, even though the schedule has worked out in their favor. But I don't think it's a big chance of it happening. But I think there's a, a some small percentage chance that that it just it falls apart quickly. Yeah. And if that if that happens, Spike, what do you think happens after that? You'll well, never hear from I, me. If they, yeah. <laughs> If if they don't get to the finals, I think they'll they'll, I think Ben is 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 probably gone, uh, yeah. unless they're they're a, just as a function of what they need, not as a function of they can't have them on the team. They're just their real assets are limited, and salary wise, they're also limited. They're going to have to trade a big salary to get a big salary, so. I, that's what I think will happen. I actually think uh, if nobody gets hurt, I think there's a minuscule chance they lose in the first two rounds. I think, I think Atlanta, I've told you this, Sharp, I think Atlanta's like completely fraudulent. Um, but I think the Knicks. They're, they're not. Everybody <sighs> knows that this 4-5 is like what it is that one of these teams is going to do yeah, in the second round. But I, I think the Knicks could... Like the Knicks versus the Sixers will be a very '90s basketball-looking series with, yeah. oh my god, you yeah. know, like 89, 72 games and shit like that. I but the 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 problem, the reason I don't think the Knicks can beat them is that like the Knicks have the same problem the Sixers have, just worse almost. Like they can't score at any real clip either. And if you just give me the Sixers guys versus the Knicks guys in some defensive battle, I just think the Sixers will make more buckets. So, but I think. Everybody's scared of the Nets. I think the Bucks would. I think the Bucks defensively could make the Sixers look pretty fucking terrible. You know, like I watched that Miami game, and the Bucks can do that. You know, and I, the Bucks are a good defensive team, and the Sixers are just like they're gonna run into that thing, man, where it gets hard to score, and it like that's that's the problem. But I, I think they get to the Eastern Conference Finals pretty pretty easily. Yeah. I, I, the Bucks are my pick coming out of the East, but the Sixers have so, uh, so much, like, their draw is just so much easier that it's hard to not second-guess the Bucks pick because having to go through Miami in the first round, like, the Heat, Jimmy Butler, fraud or not, um, it's all sort of coming together for them right now. And they have the talent of like a top three seed and would just be a complete pain in the ass to deal with in the first round before Brooklyn. And I have no idea what to make of Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn and the Lakers, like people aren't accounting for how complicated it is to like try to figure out how to play together in like close tight games. 
And like, I mean, that just, it, that doesn't happen naturally. And so I, I look at both of those teams with sort of a side eye here and, and maybe I'll be completely wrong because the Nets, when they play well, they look like the best basketball team of all time. And so if they do make the finals, they'll make a lot of people look like really, really stupid for ever doubting them. Yeah, if it's a if it's a Brooklyn Lakers final, that would be a real strong like con of the regular season even existing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Caring just, about like, don't even events. have it. Don't have training camp. Like don't have anything. Just like show up with some guys, and if they're good enough, you'll win. Well, um, and and the the biggest uh, the the problem on top of that is that it's that that formula is so impossibly replicatable by like 98% of the teams. You have to be in the one of the three biggest markets to do that. You know, even I don't even know that you could get that in Chicago, you know? Yeah. So the the problem isn't even so much that obviously when you get three, two top five players on a team that you're going to win a championship is that like most of the teams can't even dream of doing that. So it's like, well, what are we yeah. even doing? I'm here? definitely yeah. going to be like small market nerd fan, like rooting against... <laughs> those teams from winning i'm gonna be like come on milwaukee like i'm gonna just be so like scrappy and pure about it and with like same with like phoenix and 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 utah why not i would well, be bummed if if these good teams lost to who coasted i'd be bummed about that yeah well I, the other thing that i would add is that you it's cool to watch teams like grow together so like yeah, the mm-hmm. Suns, as much as chris paul was like plucked out of thin air like devin booker and some of those guys have been through a lot of shit together and the sixers are a similar story where like there's real history there and you look at the nets and it's just like i, I don't want to be that like hot takey guy <laughs> but it there's just not a lot of like personality to that team i do think it's cool that like Kyrie and kd are basically just telling the entire world to fuck off and saying like we're gonna do this together and do this on our terms but even the lakers are like drummond is out there it's just like sort of a random random mishmash of people and it's hard to care about any of that i think the trick and you look at the past couple years is like because the Correct me if I'm wrong, but the past two teams have been champions, have been teams that have stayed together a, a decent amount. A bunch of guys have been there for a while with a first-year head coach, with Nick Nurse in Toronto and then uh, what's Vogel. his name? Vogel in, in L.A. And then that would be the recipe in Philly also this year, in a team that's been together with a first-year head coach. Yeah, like I think that's the issue, is that, like, you know, we we made fun of Doug Collins for years for all his welcome everywhere. But the answer might be every coach wears out their welcome oh, everywhere sure. after a while. And you need content players kind of not necessarily at the bottom of the roster, but like at least enough to where there's like a real sense of purpose and a sense of share, like knowing where each other's going to be. And then a fresh coach with fresh ideas that they just like haven't tuned out yet. You know what I mean? You mean Scott Brooks in year five is not what you're looking for from a potential contender? That he could push it over the edge. Man, there's a lot of Sixers, a lot of Sixers on that Wizards team. I'd forget <laughs> having Sixers ties. What would it feel like, Andrew? How would you react 
if the Sixers... Sixers go to a game seven in the finals against whatever, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Suns, whoever, and win. And the Sixers have won a championship. What, what, what is going through your mind at that moment? Okay, so instantly I'm thinking, man, I'm happy for Mike and Spike and like their army of fans all of whom, whenever I meet them in person, are, like, more gracious to me than they should be, considering how obnoxious I've been at various points. Well, they do have a T-shirt that says, fuck Andrew Sharp on it. It's true. Uh, yeah. It's true. It's a hard one to explain to my wife. She still doesn't really get the joke. Um, <laughs> but uh, it would take less than 12 hours before you ruined that goodwill and were right. so obnoxious about the title that I regretted ever like halfway rooting for the Sixers in a game seven. That's right. And then um, I would probably unsubscribe from the podcast <laughs> for the next like six to nine months and just take a long break from both of you. That's fair. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know how I'd react. There's, well, you know, when there's, when announcers are like calm, and they're starting to think like this is coming down to the wire. I gotta know what I'm gonna say. What's my my momentous? Do you believe in miracles? Yes, like moment there. Mm. And I've am I gonna say? Mm. And I don't have oh, it. Boy. I have nothing. I have nothing. Well, it's gotta be a know. shout out to Hollis, doesn't it? Yeah, we're gonna start. We're gonna just read the read the names like like as if they're fallen <laughs> soldiers of like a war. Just the most tone deaf thing I could possibly do. No uh, bullshit. That is what you guys should do to celebrate a Sixers title. You should sit there and read every name on the shirt. And then like a bell. An hour and a half podcast. A idea, yeah. Yeah. Then like a church bell. Yeah, pouring water, like sticking your. They do like the blood of the, they just run through the 12 plagues and you just do like a, a little like drop of wine. That'd be us. It'd be so good. Yeah. Well, we're going to do our playoff Pino pods. We're, we're going to do our playoff pods live. They're going to be live on like YouTube and stuff. So I, I think just just the, the shared experience of doing that with the people who who listen and watch would be incredibly Are we doing a live, a live podcast for every after every playoff game yeah assuming that we're doing a pod after the playoff game and we okay. should do it live if we can i gotta, I gotta watch myself i'm gonna say some pretty intense i gotta really we may need well, to be I, like on a seven second delay cj on the thing like mike's gonna ruin his career if he says this like just some button just to make sure like the muting happens it's a real myself. emotional roller coaster with you and i, I yeah. don't think you're prepared <laughs> for how volatile this is gonna get uh, yeah. but it's fun i mean the sixers have a real shot i do think like six to seven months of mostly good news doesn't bode well because <laughs> the other shoe is about to drop so prepare yourself for that i'll make sure to tune in live on youtube to see your reaction <laughs> <laughs> so so what is in store for the greatest of all talk podcast more stories about ben walking and liking doughy white basketball players what, a lot what, of birding a lot of legos mm -hmm. um no we uh honestly the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun and yeah. i put together my own list of my top 25 players in the playoff field which we are going to wow through uh this weekend i believe so give us a, give <laughs> um, us a taste how many sixers are in that top 25 
Um, two Sixers. Actually, now that I think about it, it's a top 30. I think um, Ben Simmons was either 29 or 30. And uh, Embiid is seventh, I think. He's Ooh. behind Jokic, which is upsetting. But, uh, yeah, it, it, Embiid is a top five, maybe top three guy if he can stay healthy and stay, like, in shape. Um, but I've never seen him do that for an entire playoff run. So I want to see him do that before I put him above This is the, fir- this him is the above, first time like, he's – AD. This is the first time the – for the playoffs at the same time. It's just never happened. Totally. Hmm. Well, and it's the one thing that I've, I've waited for like basically Embiid's entire career. I've just wanted to see him have like the opportunity to go through healthy and try to kick everyone's ass because well, you, you've been mostly an Embiid guy. I, I, yeah. I, I can't question your support of Embiid. You've been, you've been behind Embiid most of the time. So, and he's awesome. Like his ceiling is as high as anybody in the league. He just, um, I like I trust Giannis more to stay healthy and like play 40 45 minutes a game through three playoff rounds. Yeah. And have, lose. Have, have you uh <laughs> have you watched have you watched enough Wizards basketball how they would defend Embiid in a playoff series? Uh a lot of prayer, I would say. <laughs> I mean, like what they did against Jason Tatum, I'm not kidding. I'm like really fed up with Scott Brooks. Um, they didn't really have a game plan against Tatum. And so it was like Bertans and Ish Smith. They had a lot of like really bad options for him. With Embiid, I think one of the reasons Robin Lopez is on the roster is because he's at least like big enough to like stand in Embiid's way. Um, mm-hmm. And then beyond that, they don't have many good options. Like Alex Len, their plus minus with Len on the floor is so fucking disastrous. Uh, but they would try to platoon Robin Lopez and and Alex Len, and that's a terrible game plan. So, and B will average fifty a game in the first round. That's awesome. Who is your who is your le- non Scotty Brooks? Who is your least favorite? Just oh, can I guess? I feel no, like he fucking it. hates Bertans. He hates Bertans. <laughs> Bertans, I hate him because the second we traded for him, I was like, that's a pretty nice deal. And then I realized that he was a free agent the, the following offseason. And I thought to myself, he's going to overperform this first year in D.C. And they're going to do something really stupid and give him a lot of money. Because, like, Bertans is like a Duncan Robinson type guy where you you get those guys when they're cheap and let somebody else pay them. And, unfortunately, the Wizards are the somebody else. So the fact that he's making $80 million, like, drives me insane. And if Davis Bertans can make $80 million, Korkmaz can make 40 12 a year. Yeah. <laughs> We should all hope to be that fraudulent and somehow get away with it. Steal $80 million. Um, I, I'm sincerely happy for Bertans, but I honestly, I think it might be Russ, though, more than Bertans. Oh, um, wow. Just because of what Russ symbolizes in terms of like where the Wizards even want to go, um, let alone can go. I think they're just like perfectly happy being in seventh or eighth in the East and making the playoffs. And uh, I wish we would aim higher. It's a real bummer is out because he works his ass off and has a little (laughs) bit of a stretch five situation. 
And him and Dan Gafford, little one-two. Well, this you is this is when talk... the podcast has gone on too long. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> you can talk me into that. Every player you're naming, now that I think about it, Thomas Bryant is actually my least favorite wizard. <laughs> like, he is the worst defender as a yeah. big man. Uh, and he's and like people who don't watch the Wizards will be like, ah, oh, like putting up some good numbers. Like Thomas Bryant, pretty interesting in DC. Um, not a fan. I will say that I love Daniel Gafford. So we could close on a high note there. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, good luck to your Wizards and with your little podcast. And I look forward to earning, uh, for you guys earning your $6 by addressing the emails uh, that I write. <laughs> and it will only make me write more emails, just as a warning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why do you think we've never read any of them to this point? <laughs> Third right, host. Come, come visit me out here, Sharp. I uh, will. All right. Uh, all right. We'll see you. All right. That's it. Andrew Sharp's gone. We will talk to you after the first playoff game on Sunday. We hope to be, there's no guarantees, we hope to be live on YouTube, Twitter, CJ, you can tell me if it'll be on in my ear, if it'll be on Twitter. I think it will. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook will be live. So, And then if you subscribe to the podcast normally, you'll get it normally. But if you want to watch it live, that's where you can watch it. You get me to do 18 podcasts a week, fine. You get me to do video on a podcast. I did it kicking and screaming. And now we're going live for a playoff. This is a long con for me to say something that will ruin my life to get thrown in jail for yep. saying something stupid, offensive. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I can't be held liable after a game. And now I have no guardrails, no cut that out of the podcast, nothing. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I guess I'm agreeing to it. Eight, eight years. We've only cut one thing out of the podcast and it That's was a fight true. about you Mike cut, Alfranco. You cut plenty of things out of the podcast. That's not true. I, th I think we didn't air one and we cut the Mike Alfranco part out. It's not like I go back and take out like, you're not like a, a loose cannon. <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, we'll talk to you Sunday. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know playoffs lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, I won't, I won't fuck, fuck, with fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.